Well, good morning. I'm so glad you've joined us for this service, whether you're watching it live, uh, streaming right now, or you're watching it on delay, or watching it in even a week or so's time. I believe God's, God has got something to say to you. And I've simply entitled this message, A Fresh Start. And th there's a deliberate intent in what I'm saying. Because we all, when we come to a new year, hope and expect that the new year will be a fresh year. And sometimes we're disappointed by some things and other times by other things. But to be honest, this new year actually doesn't feel like a new year. I don't know about you, it feels like we've dragged in a whole lot of stuff from the last two years that's still clinging to us with, as we deal with this global pandemic and all the nuances and the new changes. And just when we thought it was safe to go back in the water, a new variant rears its head and new things are happening and all the rest of it. And we feel like we're dragging all of this with us. And so in terms of a fresh start, I'm talking not so much initially about your circumstances, but about your heart and about your mindset. And I want to make some prayer suggestions that will begin to shape your life for 2022 and beyond. And we're not talking about some kind of legalistic approach to prayer. Prayer is not a duty to be performed and a checklist to be ticked off. Prayer is a relationship, a conversation with our almighty God, our Father in heaven, as he seeks to bring his plans, his purpose and his extraordinary gifts of grace, of peace, of love, of mercy, of purpose into our lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7 through 8, when you are praying, not if you pray, but when you pray, do not use thoughtless repetitions as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. He says, so do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. What a great assurance that is. God knows, but he wants to hear your prayer. And so I'm going to make a suggestion around a few kind of prayers that we can pray. And you may feel like I need every single one of those. Or as I go through it, you go, one really jumps out or two of them really jump out. And I'm just going to add them to my prayer each day. Or if I forget on a day, I, it'll be a part of my weekly reaching out to God and my expectation. And the first one, and I, I think this is foundational to the whole message, is God, would you awaken my heart? Would you awaken my heart? Our destiny in God depends on our hearts being awake to Him. And the reality is in life circumstances, even if we weren't in the middle of this pandemic, in life sometimes our heart becomes numb. It becomes almost dead, not literally a heart attack, but I'm talking in a spiritual sense. And maybe your heart in this season of life has been bruised. 
you've been hurt and you've kind of put a shield around your heart, but what it's actually done is numb you to God and to others. And I get that initial protective instinct to just guard your heart in that way. Perhaps some of your dreams and expectations of life, not just for 2022, but for life, just don't seem a reality. In Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible, there is an incredible statement that grabbed my attention a few years ago and every so often I'm drawn back to it as I just allow by the Holy Spirit God to examine my heart. And the psalmist says this, my soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. There's something about when our expectation is not met, when we're hurting, that we tend to be drawn to dust, the things of this world as it were. And he says, oh God, let your word come and refresh something new in my heart. And if you're feeling numb and kind of cut off and isolated from God, I want you to know God can awaken your heart. David, having committed some severe acts of sinfulness and disobedience, in this beautiful psalm, Psalm 51, and it's a psalm worth reading through a few times, prays this in terms of his heart. He says, creating me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit, persevering and steadfast within me. It's just a beautiful prayer. And I just want to read that again from the Amplified. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, persevering and steadfast spirit within me. You see, it's only with an awakened heart that you and I can be fully alive to God. And God doesn't want us numb. He knows we go through this season. He wants us awake and alive to him and to his plans and purposes first. The next one I know some of you won't like, but I think it's a powerful prayer. God, would you change me first? We often want change in our circumstances. And certainly as we look around at some of the people in our life, we'd like to change them. Don't look at me like that. You know you've got a few people in mind straight away. But God often, to, often seeks to bring about change in us first before he brings about change in our circumstance. And until we learn that lesson in life that he's got us in, that where we go, oh, I want to change this, I want to change this. He says, no, no, what about changing something in you? In Psalm 139, the psalmist prays an incredibly dangerous prayer, but I dare you to pray it. I believe God dares you to pray it. Listen to what he says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything of any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's not introspection and digging around, trying to find something wrong with you. It's just saying, God, here I am. By your spirit, would you search my heart? And I believe this prayer is, like I said, it's not about belly gazing. It's not about introspection. It's about self-examination by the Holy Spirit. And when you pray this, if there's something that pops up immediately or you know, a few weeks over a period of few weeks, just keeps coming back. That gentle prompting, not a guilt trip, 
Just that gentle prompt, the Holy Spirit saying it's this, it's this. This is the thing that you need to ask God to change. I think one of the other keys with this passage is he says, and know my anxious thoughts. If you think about that, it's our anxious thoughts that often lead us to do foolish things because we try and fix stuff. We overreact to something. Our anxious thoughts. What are your anxious thoughts? Because those are the things where God's saying, invite me into that. I've got a way forward for you. And you may not need dramatic change in your life, but it's always good and wise to acknowledge that there's something in me that needs to be sorted, responded to. And Jesus always calls us to change at our heart first and then flow through in our behaviour and in our circumstances. Other times there's something big that, and obvious and it's glaring and maybe you've been avoiding it. You, you've even made excuses for it. You've justified it. But it's, oh God, here I am, search me. Test my heart. See if there's any anxious thought in me because you have a way of eternal life everlasting for me to step into. And it's done, just as we sang earlier, there's something about being in the presence of God, in the arms of a loving God, not not an angry, condemning God, but a God who loves you and wants the best for your life. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul simply says this, when anyone turns to the Lord, and in that there's the inference, well, you're turning away from something to turn to something. Anyone turns to the Lord, just leans into his presence. The veil is taken away. You begin to see clearly. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not condemnation, not guilt, not God being disappointed you. Now where the spirit of the Lord, where you invite the spirit of the Lord into your life, he brings freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces, the mask taken away in God's presence, contemplate the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed, metamorphosized, changed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So Lord, awaken my heart, change me first. And then your will be done. Your kingdom come, Jesus instructed us to pray. And in a sense, that's a prayer that we should be praying every day and often through the day as we faced with different situations, different circumstance. God, I want your will to be done in my life, not my will. Your will be done. Your will be done. I heard somebody say many years ago that either you will say that to God or if you're willful, God will say it to you. In other words, all right, that's what you want to do. I've given you the gift of choice and freedom. You can go down that course, but it's not going to be the best thing for your life. So either you say to God, God, I want your will in my life. And it's not always an easy prayer to pray. Or he says, okay, your will be done. And let's see how that works out. See, many of us only surrender our will when we hit rock bottom and it's like, okay, I've tried everything else. Now let's see what God's got for me. And we grudgingly give uh, give up our independence and let him take over when we think we've got no other alternatives. 
We would love before we pray this prayer to kind of see around the corner Uh, because it's kind of like your will be done. But God, would you tell me first before I commit to this? No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to trust me that I love you, that I care for you, that I've got a plan for you. I've got something good for you. You don't need to see around the corner as it were. You don't need to understand the implication of surrendering to God. It's in the surrender that his love and mercy begins to shape and direct our lives. And it's not as if he doesn't understand it. Jesus in the God of Gethsemane facing for us what was going to be a horrendous experience as he took all the punishment and pain for our rebellion, our sinfulness, all our sickness, all our disease. He was about to face an ordeal that is beyond our comprehension. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he withdrew a stone's throw from the disciples and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. I want you to notice that. It's not like he found it easy. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. He understood better than most the implications, well, better than anyone, the implications of what he was about to commit to. He's going, Dad, there's another way of doing this. Nevertheless, and there's the pivot, there's the turning point. God, I'm anxious about surrendering. I'm concerned. I want to see around the corner. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. It's in the surrender that the grace of God, the strength of God, the power of God, God sends, as it were, his angels to make a way for us. So awaken my heart, change me first. God, your will be done. And this is a great prayer, the next one. Reveal your grace to me. Reveal your grace to me. We are saved by grace and not by works. The Bible is very clear about that. But I think all of us at times drop into a kind of works mentality. I've got to earn something to get God's favour. I need to show God that I deserve his blessing. And we slip out of the grace into this works thing. And the New Testament is filled with exhortations not to do that. In fact, the book of Galatians is written specifically to that point. And God doesn't want your heart and my heart full of worries and fears. And I'm preaching to myself now as much as to anybody else. And tossed and turned by every challenge that comes our way. He he wants our hearts at rest in his grace. And the grace of God is so much bigger than any of us understand or even living. I I want to read something out of the Amplified Bible, so it's got a few more words in it. But from Hebrews 13 and verse 9, and he says, Don't be carried about by different and varied alien teachings. Now, he's not talking about aliens from outer space. He's just talking about things that are often taught as a part of Christianity, but that actually have nothing to do with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. They have to do with religion and obligation and earning your way towards blessing. And he says, don't get caught up in that stuff. 
And I love this phrase. For it, for it is good for the heart to be established, ennobled, strengthened by means of grace, God's favour and spiritual blessing. It is good for your heart to rest completely in the grace of God. And that means sometimes you've got to have a conversation with yourself when you're trying to earn your way, deserve your way towards something. You go, no, I I know I don't deserve this. I know I can't earn God's favour. I'm just going to rest in grace. And obviously when we know we've sinned, we confess our sin and he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. We're not talking about hiding something, but just going, I'm not trying to work my way out of this. I'm not trying to earn my way into God's favour. I'm resting in his favour. Regardless of my circumstance, regardless of whether I've been good, bad or otherwise, I'm resting in the favour of God. And out of that, my heart will respond to God and my circumstance and my behaviours will change. You see, even when we think that a breakthrough, and we were singing about that a bit earlier, is based on my faith and my obedience. Yes, faith and obedience are a response, but they're the response to the grace of God. That he says, I'm going to open this door for you. I've got a way for you. I've got a way of blessing for you. And the minute your heart and my heart are filled with anxiety and worry and did I do enough? Do I have enough faith? Was I obedient enough? Because the reality is we never have enough faith. We can keep growing in faith. We're never going to be perfectly obedient unless you know something that I don't. You may be a saint in an extraordinary way. So none of us are trusting enough or perfectly obedient to deserve God's blessing, that's grace. And when you rest in that, then faith becomes this response of gratitude to the extraordinary grace of God in our life. And our heart becomes established in grace. God wants your heart established knowing that it's his righteousness, his healing, his protection, his provision are yours because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of what you're going to do. It's what Jesus has done. He said on the cross, it is finished. Love these words in Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, and read it in multiple translations. And I did that and I, I just settled on this one for today. But it's the essence of this. It's wonderful reading a few different translations. Since we are now joined to Christ... We have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, referring to his sacrifice on the cross. The total cancellation of our sins. There's somebody listening, probably more than one that needs to hear that right now because you think your sin is bigger than God's grace. Your sin is not bigger than the sacrifice that Jesus made for the cancellation of your sin. He died for sin once for all. The total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. I love that phrase. It's so poetic. The cascading riches of his grace. This super abundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. I, I don't know, you read that verse over and go, uh, I reckon that's one that prayer that every one of us 
should pray regularly. Reveal your grace to me. Reveal your grace. And finally this morning, God, awaken my heart. Change me first. Your will be done, Lord. Reveal your grace. Lord, grant miracles. Grant waves of the miraculous in my life, in my circumstance, in my family. First Chronicles 16, verse 11 through 12. Search for the Lord and for His strength. Continually seek Him. Remember the wonders He has performed, His miracles. Remember His miracles. You might be going through a season where you go, I need a miracle, I can't see God anywhere at the moment in my circumstance. No, no, stir that up. Rest in your heart establishing grace, but stirring up that spirit of faith that says, God, I'm expecting miracles. I'm expecting the breakthrough as we sang earlier. And what miracle would you ask God for right now? It's amazing to me how often in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus says to somebody who's blind or deaf or lame or sick in some way, what do you want? And so it's like, well, isn't it obvious? No, He wants you to hear what miracle you want. What is it that you want the Lord your God to do? Miracles can be large. They can be the little things that just pivot and turn and change something. But for it to be a miracle, it's something that is impossible to us, but not impossible to God. And we believe in miracles. We know they are true, even though at times we, we struggle with a cloud of discouragement and doubt and sometimes even unbelief. But you're not earning your way to a miracle. Your heart is established in grace. And the first thing you need for a miracle is a problem. If you don't have a problem, you don't need a miracle. So what's your problem? That's the area where God wants to work a miracle, whether it's instantaneous, whether it's something He does over a week, a month, a year, longer. We hate waiting, but He'll work something. What situation, whatever the situation is that you face in, it's made for a miracle, an opportunity for God to reveal Himself to you, an opportunity for God's grace to be poured into your life, an opportunity for God to be glorified by doing something that is impossible to you but not impossible to him. The early church, and you can read the context for yourself, facing severe persecution and difficulty, have a prayer meeting. And we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Please be a part of that. And then pray this, stretch out your hand. Acts 4 verse 30 and following. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And as they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. What a response from the hand of God. Not hiding, not withdrawing, stepping boldly back into life, saying, God, we don't want to hide from the difficulties, the persecution. But Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through your holy servant, Jesus. And God loves to respond to a bold prayer like that. 
And so right now, why don't you just reach out a hand and say, God, would you stretch out your hand towards my reaching out to you? I want to see astonishing miracles, small ones, big ones, ones that I may need to be reminded of when I look back and go, oh yeah, that did change. But God, I want miracles, 2022, a year of miracles, a year of God's intervention, a year of breakthrough, a year of transformation, a year of being filled afresh and anew with the power of the Holy Spirit. But all of that depends first and foremost that you are right with God. Not by your effort, not by works, but by the grace of God that is presented to you in the finished work of Calvary. What Jesus did when He died on a cross, shed His bloods so you could be forgiven, I could be forgiven and given a brand new start. More than just a fresh start, a brand new start, born again. You can access that, not by religious works, not by promising to be good, because you'll break that promise, but by letting your heart be established in grace by receiving forgiveness and cleansing by the power of the Holy Spirit.